Thank you for subscribing to the weekly sermons of Crossfire YC. We are the Youth Church of Crossfire World Outreach Ministries located in Springfield, Oregon. This podcast is updated weekly. Mark chapter 6 verse 45. And it says this. Immediately. That's why I like Mark. He uses words like immediately. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. How many of you guys know prayer is important? When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone in the, on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but they saw him walking on the lake. They, on the lake. they thought he was a ghost. That is a pretty safe assumption if you see somebody walking on the lake in the middle of a storm. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, immediately again, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And uh, I'm sorry, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. All right, skip with me over to John, the book of John, the gospel of John. It's all about Jesus in all four of these. Well, the whole Bible is all about Jesus. But John chapter 6. We're going to start this one in verse... 16, John 6, verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. This is the same story, but it's given from a different perspective. And there's one phrase that I want us to key in on in this, in this context, okay? Where they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus was not yet, had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat walking on the water. And they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately. The boat reached the shore where they were heading. Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The title of tonight's message is, Will I Ever Get There? Will I Ever Get There? If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that on the top of your notes. And uh, we're going to be talking about that tonight. But first, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. And uh, God, we realize that this service is not about us and the service is not about a worship team or a, or a pastor or the staff. It's not about even the name Crossfire, but it is about you. And God, our one desire tonight and the thing that we hope to accomplish is that you would receive glory. God, we know that when you receive glory, our lives are fulfilled and satisfied and we thank you for that. And Jesus, we just pray that as we open up the Bible and as we, as we look at the scriptures and we learn about you, God, that we would be able to see you. And as we see you, we would become more like you. And God, as we become more like you, we would be an example shining to the world of how good you are. And we love you and thank you. And we just pray that you would be here in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. And everybody said? Amen. A couple of weeks ago, how many of you guys know that this church is crazy? A couple of weeks ago, uh, I had the privilege to be invited to go and clear out a Hollywood video. And uh, it was a very exciting thing for me. As a matter of fact, when Pastor Aaron told me about it, I was like, I am down. I am in. Count on me. I will be there for sure. Uh, Actually, I tried everything I could to get out of it, and it didn't work. But... But I had this incredible opportunity. We're going to get this stuff, and it's going to be kind of cool. We've got this fencing and stuff that we're going to put up, and we're going to actually turn the balcony into like a, a youth 
area where we can all kind of hang out and uh, sip coffee and um, among other things. Um, But the lights will always be on when there's youth up there. uh, So... So we were going to this Hollywood video, and I left, and I left, oh, to be perfectly honest, I probably left too late in the morning to get there when everybody else was getting there. Um, but one thing that really put a snag in my plans was this, that I thought that I was driving to a Hollywood video in Eugene when apparently we were emptying out the Hollywood video that's right over here by the church and is actually like 20 seconds from my house. And uh, so I go out to this Hollywood video, which I'm not even really sure where it's at, but they kind of give me the, the area where there's a Hollywood video at. And I drive out to that Hollywood video, and I text Jonathan, and I'm like, hey, dude, what Hollywood video is it anyways? And then I sit there for like five minutes, because I think I'm in the right spot. I feel like Hollywood video, Eugene, this has got to be the one we're talking about. Which Hollywood video is it, John? Well, apparently John had forgotten his cell phone that day, and... Uh, Kelly didn't decide to pick up his cell phone and text me back saying, hey, John doesn't have a cell phone. So I sit there for like five minutes and I'm like, geez, this is ridiculous. John really needs to text me back. And so I finally decide to call Zach. And how many guys know the children's pastor? Always the guys answer their phone because they got nothing better they're doing. I'm just kidding. Zach's, Zach's probably the busiest guy of all of us at the church. But, and I love him. He's awesome. He was actually cleaning out the, the mess that we kind of made over the week. He's he was over there cleaning it out right before they started kids church so that's our bad but anyway zach you're awesome if you're listening next so i called zach and zach's like oh it's the one in springfield by the church and i just i'm honestly at this point i've I've sat at this other hollywood video for like like probably about 10 minutes now and i'm just frustrated because i went way out of my way and i was trying to get to where i wanted to be but i wasn't there How many of you guys have ever been in a spot where you just, you know that this is where you need to be, but for some reason it's just not working out and you're not getting there? I get up in the morning and and I I go work out and I get up at 5.30. And my problem is this. Every night when I go to bed, I think I'm just going to, like, I'm going to wake up, like, excited and happy and just full of energy. And and I'm going to be able to pack my workout bag and all my stuff and my swim trunks and everything that I'm going to need. I'm going to be able to pack that real quick in the morning. I'll be able to get off to the gym by 6 o'clock. And, uh... The problem is this, I wake up and I don't want to get up. And so I finally do get up after about five minutes of hearing my alarm go off. I finally do get up and I shut my alarm off and my wife says, thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and I start getting my stuff together and getting, and it just feels like, hey, I want to be at the gym by six because I want to be able to have enough time to really get a good workout in and really work up a sweat. Come on. How many guys work out? Some of the skinniest guys in the room are like, kind of. <laughs> But, uh, but I really want to be able to get a good workout. The problem is this. It, it never fails that if I don't pack the bag at night, I never get there by six. Because even though I want to get there, I never seem to get there. Has anybody else been in that frustrating place where you're like, man, I just, I want to be somewhere, but my kids are going crazy. I want to be somewhere, but my wife is changing again. I want to be somewhere, but my mom needs to pick me up. Man, how many of you guys, how many of you guys, your parents pick you up from school? Isn't that the worst thing in the entire stinking world? My mom used to pick me up from school and she was, it was consistently a half hour late every single day. Every single day. That was like the minimum she was going to be late. I remember one time we were waiting for my mom to come pick me up. 
And, uh, and I'm sitting there. They had this chain that was kind of like, so, hey, don't walk here. And so there's this chain going between these two poles. And I'm sitting there swinging on this chain, waiting for my mom to show up. And I, I actually flip all the way around and land chin first on the cement, right? And I get up, and I'm like, huh, that kind of hurt a little bit, rung my bell. And I can't remember who it was. It was either Danny or Steven that was there with me. And they're like, oh, my gosh, dude, you're bleeding. And automatically I hear blood. And I'm like, oh, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. Me, I'm bleeding. And literally I'm like running to the nurse's office like, where's my mom? Like, and watching blood just like drip, drip, drip all across the school as I'm running to the nurse's office. But literally it didn't even hurt until I realized it was bleeding. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, don't amputate my chin, please, please. If my mom was there, she would have been so compassionate because we know that moms are like that. And she probably would have told me to stop bleeding on the concrete or something. That's just the way that my mom was. But you, you wanted to, maybe like you're waiting for your parents to pick you up and you want to go home and you just want to be at home. And that's just where you want to be. But for some reason, you seem to be stuck in this spot. You seem to be stuck where you're at, even though you know that you want to be over here. Has anybody ever felt that frustration before? Or, or you're riding with somebody and they keep taking you completely the wrong way that you want to go. I was, my first year in Masters, I had lived, I've lived like three blocks from the church my whole life. And my first year in Masters, we actually moved out, I moved out to Coburg and was staying in the dorms out in Coburg. Well, one night it was close to curfew and we, we had to, I was riding with some of the other students and we had to run the girl's home who lived like two blocks from the church. And they're like, they're like, okay, not a big, you know, not a big deal. And they're like, okay, how do you, what's the fastest way to get to your house? And the girls say, oh, this is the way. And I'm like, you know, truthfully, that's not the way. You totally want to go this, you want to get on the freeway and then get off here and then take this road. And they're like, dude, like, you know, they live there. And I'm like, neither of them drive for one. And two, I have lived two blocks away from there my entire life. Can you please just listen to what I'm saying? Because I don't want to be late for curfew because you listen to these girls who have no idea how to get to where they're going. I know where we're going. Can you just listen to me and do it my way? Has anybody ever been there where you've just been frustrated and you've been like, I want to be here, but for some reason I'm here. I want to be down the stairs, but for some reason I'm up the stairs. I want to be in my bedroom, but for some reason this TV show is just incredible and I can't take my eyes off of it. That's how I feel about the next Iron Chef. I'm just saying. I, season three, season three starts October 3rd. I'm so excited. I love that show because it makes me hungry and it also makes me feel like I maybe at some point in my life might be able to cook that well. I can't, but it makes me feel like maybe that's possible. Many times with, in our relationship with God and our walk with God, we find ourselves in this place where we're not where we're supposed to be. We know that God has a greater call on our life and we're not where we're supposed to be. And so in this passage, in this scripture, Jesus tells the disciples, jump in the boat and get over to the other side. He told them that because he had a plan and a mission on the other side of the lake. And here are the disciples as they're rowing and rowing and rowing and getting frustrated because they know where they're supposed to be, but they're not there. And sometimes our relationship with God is like that, where we can become very frustrated. The thing that I want you to understand about this scripture is that Jesus made them get in the boat. That's what Mark said, right? 
They didn't make this up on their own. They didn't decide this on their own. Jesus said, jump in the boat and get over there. And yet, all of a sudden, in making them get into the boat, this incredible storm begins and this incredible storm starts. And I think it's interesting, and I want to make sure that we understand something, that God does not create storms. Somebody better say amen. Some of you guys like, you better prove that to me before I say amen. So the disciples got in the boat and they're struggling because the wind was against them because they're in the middle of this storm. We must understand that God is not the author of storms. Listen, when God made the world, understand this, when he made the world, he made it perfect. Do you hear what I'm saying? Adam and Eve had a perfect world that they existed in. When God created the world, he looked at everything and said, it is? Good. It is? Good. Because he made the world absolutely perfect. But what happened was sin came into the world. And as sin came into the world, it not only corrupted us, but it corrupted the planet that we live on. And I want you to understand this, that global warming, and oh, it's not global warming anymore because they realize that the globe's not getting warmer. Climate change is not a result of hairspray and SUVs, but climate change is a result of the fact that our world is literally falling apart under us. Because of the consequence of man's sin. When God created us, he gave us delegated authority. And if you want to know more about that, go to Master's Commission. Chris has this whole like eight-week book on it. And he, you go through it in Master's Commission. But God gave us authority. And he gave Adam authority on the planet where he placed him. And when Adam messed up and when Adam sinned, it started a cycle of destruction. And the Bible actually says this, that creation groans. For the sons of God to be revealed. It, the, the planet itself, the trees themselves, the animals themselves are groaning for God's glory to be made manifest in the world. Because it is falling apart. And it's not a result of pollution. It's not because the ozone layer disappeared. Although there was never any proof that an ozone layer ever existed, but whatever. Sorry if your science teacher told you that. See, God is not the author of storms. Katrina was not a natural disaster. Katrina was an unnatural disaster. Because if it was natural, it would have been the way that it was created to happen. Haiti was not an act of God. It was a consequence of sin. And our world literally is falling apart because of man's sin and man's mistakes and man's failures. Does pollution play into that? Yeah, I think it does. Because if we were living perfect lives, we wouldn't need cars. We'd just be like living in the garden, eating, eating fruit, having a good time. It'd be awesome. There wouldn't be no thorns. It'd be amazing. There wouldn't be any bad things happening. But we screwed that up. Somebody say, that's too bad. Why did God do this? Why did God do this? I think this is the question that we all have when we go through a time of storms. Why? Why did you do this to me, God? And the answer is he didn't do it. Now, if you're a Calvinist, and I, I know that a lot of you guys probably don't know what Calvinists are, but they, they believe that God is in absolute, complete control of everything that happens, and everything that happens is the will of God, and that's what he wanted because he's trying to teach us something. And I want you to understand something. There is a little bit of truth to the fact that God is in absolute control. That, sorry, that is an absolute truth. God is in complete control. But he has given us, as people, authority. He has given us authority, and we call it free will. 
He has given that to us because now we have the opportunity to make a choice. It, it, if, a, if, the, if President Obama makes a new office and he says, this is the guy that is in charge of this department, and he is now in charge of all transportation in the United States. That, that's probably an office that exists already. Does anybody know the title of that job? But what's the guy's name? The director of the Department of Transportation? Sounds good enough. All right. Director of Department of Transportation. If Obama places somebody in charge of the, and he puts him in the position of director of Department of Transportation, (laughs) if he puts somebody in charge of that position, it does not limit or it does not stop Obama from having the ultimate authority, but he has now placed it in the hands of somebody else. And that's essentially what God has done. He has all authority over the entire world. And he could come in and at any point take over and make things better. But he won't because he desires for us to have a free will. He desires for us to take authority. Somebody say amen. Amen. Why did God do this? Why did God let this happen to me? Why did my parents die? Why did my friend get in that car accident? Why, why are my parents splitting up? Why did my grandma die? Why, why, why was I molested? Why, why did this happen to me? Why did God let this happen? The answer is, he didn't. Now, we read scriptures and it says that all things will work together for good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And some of us take that and think, okay, well, God must have wanted this to happen to me. Let me say this. God does not want you to experience pain. It is not his desire that you would be hurt. It is not his desire that your parents would split up. It is not his desire that people around you would die. It's not his desire that anyone should die before their time. That is not God's will. That is not God's plan. But what God will do is take incredible tragedy and bring you to a place that you could have never gone through. Bring you to a place that you've never been before. And so, why do I mess up? Why do I have these problems? Why did this happen? The answer to that is because we live in a fallen world. With a planet that's fallen. With people that that are fallen. With DNA that is messed up. We live in a fallen world. And you have to understand something that, that God didn't want it to happen to you. And some of you guys are going through some things and some of you guys are having some pains and some hurts that you're trying to battle with right now. And I say, God didn't want that to happen to you. And automatically you, you, and I say, it's a fallen nature. And you say, well, that doesn't make me feel any better. Sometimes the answers don't always make us feel better. I wish that there was, there was just this one answer that every time a young person came up to me and said, listen, I'm having a hard time. I had a, I had a young lady who I was talking to two days ago who was saying, I don't understand if, if the number one job is of a father is to protect their kids from going through pain. Why is God, my father, letting me go through what I'm going through? And I, I told her, listen, I can give you the answer, but the reality is the answer is not going to make you feel better. Sometimes we just need to go through the problem. I hate it when teachers make you write out the problem. Listen, I know what two times two is. Just let me write the end. No, you write that out. I don't know how you'd even write that out. 
sometimes we have to go through the problem. I can't tell you why awful things happen in your life, why you've experienced pain. But I can assure you of this. God did not create that storm. God was not the author of that storm. God was not the maker of that storm. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're going through, understand this. God God wants you out of that thing as bad as you want out of it. God does not desire for his children to experience pain. If that was reality, then there would be pain in heaven. But my Bible says that when we get to heaven, there is no more tears. There is no more pain. And that's the way that God created us to exist. So I can assure you and I can guarantee you that the things that are coming in your life and are trying to drown you, God did not make those things. God did not create pain for you. But the disciples are in the storm that Jesus told them to go into. It says that the disciples were struggling against the wind and this was their assignment from God. This is what God told them to do. And how many of you guys know this? A lot of times when our parents tell us something and they leave, I'm going to say with 9 out of 10 people in this room, if our parents tell us to do something and they leave, 9 out of 10 people in this room probably are not going to accomplish that tax. Tax. That task. How many of you guys, like, when I was growing up, my parents would always be like, hey, the house needs clean. Clean the house. And I'd be like, Okay, start picking up some things and getting the vacuum out, unwrapping it. And then they'd be like, hey, we got to go get a bag for the vacuum. Let's just, no, we got to go. We got to go. Okay. I'll just be here cleaning. And the parents leave. And how many guys know this? With my personality, I made it about 30 seconds into the cleaning phase. My wife's going, yeah, I know. She's, she's got to be like standing behind me with a big stick whenever I'm cleaning. And... Uh, Make it about 30 seconds. And then I got to go and I got to turn, turn on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Come on. They're heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. And I would sit and I would watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then Power Rangers would come on after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I didn't watch Power Rangers because I thought it was cool. I watched Power Rangers because I wanted to make fun of them. <laughs> and, and then after Power Rangers, some like... Some other thing would come on. And before I knew it, I seen my parents' van or station wagon or whatever vehicle it was at that time pull into the driveway. And automatically I'm like, oh gosh. And I'm, I'm like, I'm smart when I, when, I, when I do these things. So I'm like, it was on channel 34, which is the cooking network. TV off. Okay, now what is the biggest thing in the room that I can pick up? To make it look like I did. And I'll pick up the biggest and fill my hands full and run off to my bedroom and throw it in. To walk out and have like a duster in my hand as my parents are walking in and be like, hey, mom and dad. Just been here cleaning. What's up? And I never said what's up to my parents. But what's, what's, what's going on, mom and dad? I've just been here cleaning. And how many of you guys know this? That my parents, all they had to do was look around to realize I had not been cleaning that whole time. I mean, if they had come into the, the room with their eyes closed, it would have been perfect for me. But they came in with their eyes open. And so I'm just trying my best to, like, stand in front of stuff. And good. I've been cleaning. How you guys been doing? 
And, and my parents would be so frustrated with me because they gave me an assignment, they gave me a job, and I didn't accomplish that job. Well, that's what happened most of the time. There was this one time where I actually did it right. I was about 15 years old, which is an amazing feat as a teenager that I actually did with my parents told me to. We are ripping off the roof to my parents' house. And I'm 15 years old, and I'm kind of, you know, my dad's there. He's doing, he's like, you know what? I got to go pick up some stuff from Jerry's that I think will help us. And I'm like, okay, go ahead, dad, go do your thing. And I'm, and all my brothers, you know, the second my mom and dad leave, they're just downstairs playing video games, uh, you know, doing whatever. And I'm still up there and I'm like, you know what? I just, I really don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Because if anybody's ever torn off a roof, it's awful. Especially with the fact that my parents had like two layers of roofs that you're having to rip off. And all we were doing was just grab it with your hands and just pull. And that was, that was our thing. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I would go up to the top of the roof and I'd just, just grab as much as I could. And I'd just, and I'm so surprised that I didn't fall off the roof doing this. Because I would just grab it and pull as hard as I could. And then I'd try and run. Because if I, if I stopped, I would lose momentum. So I'd just run. And I'd try and run and get as far down the roof as I could. And then kind of like barely stop myself before I fall off. And just kind of chuck the roofing off. And my mom and dad, they came home. And I think they were gone for like six hours or something. I was so annoyed. My brothers were playing video games this whole stinking time. And, uh, and, I'm, and my parents come home and they're like, oh my gosh, you did such a great job. It was amazing. I'm so proud of you that you did this. And, you know, they're always, they, they obviously, my brothers, obviously, they saw the car come in and they're like Psh, up the ladder in the backyard and on the roof with me like they were helping me the whole time. And, and of course, I'm not letting them get away with this. And I'm like, they were playing video games. <laughs> and, you know, in, in only a way that a mom can do, my mom looks at my brothers and says, is that true? And they say, no, it's not true. And then my dad says, is it worth getting spanking over? And my brother's like, you know what? That's true. We were downstairs playing video games. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh. And my mom and dad, they thought because I had been faithful and I had done what I was supposed to and I had done what I was told, they thought, you know what? Benjamin did a great job because that was before I was G. And uh, Benjamin did a great job. Let's take him to lunch. And I thought, that is so stinking cool. I didn't do it for lunch. I didn't know lunch was coming. But when I did that, when I was faithful to the assignment, when I was faithful to the job, when I was faithful to the mission, my parents looked at me and they said, you know what? He did a good job. Let's bless him. I wasn't doing it for a blessing. I wasn't doing it because I I was thinking, oh, this is... But there was a job that was in front of me, and although it was frustrating, and although it was tiring, and although it felt like my parents would never show back up to kick my brothers and get them up to help me, Although I felt like I was completely alone and nobody was watching and nobody cared, I still did it. And when it was all said and done, I ended up being blessed because I was faithful. I was vacuuming the church last week and um, got to be honest with you, my attitude was not great. I'm just being transparent and open with everybody. If anybody wants to volunteer to say, hey, I will vacuum the church every week, dude, I I will sign you up. We could do it in like shifts. I'll get like three or four of you and I'll never have to vacuum again. But I'm vacuuming the church and I'm getting really frustrated. My my attitude, I can't wait till master starts again. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just kidding. kidding. I'll still do it. (laughs) Um, I'm vacuuming the church and I've got such a bad attitude about it. 
And I'm like, this is so... God, do you not understand what my gifts are? Do you... Does Aaron not see that I have more value to this church than being somebody who vacuums? Do, do people not see this? God, do you not see? God, if you would just allow me to truly focus on, on developing and training my gift, I, it would be, I could do incredible things for you. No one sees me, God. And I, I swear to you, I'm not like one of those people that hears from God every day like audibly, but this was almost as audible as you can get. Where I just felt like God say, I see. I see. And I'm frustrated and I'm irritated and God's like, I see. And I'm like, okay. That's, that's what it's about anyways. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. And although I'm frustrated and irritated, it just takes that one realization that God had not abandoned me to this vacuuming storm. That God had not left me here, but that God saw where I was at. That God saw that I was straining. That God saw that I was hurting. That God saw that I was frustrated. That God saw, and it says that, that, that they're rowing and they're trying, but the wind is against them. And it says that Jesus, who's praying up on a mountainside, it says that he saw them straining. He saw them trying. And see, there's some of you guys who believe that God has called you to do specific things, who believe that God has called you to a specific purpose, that you have an incredible mission from God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he sees you. He has not abandoned you to the storm. He has not left you there. He sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. See, the wind was against them. And I'll be honest, the wind against you is... Probably what creates the most frustration because we know we have a call from God. We know we have a purpose, but our entire culture and system is pushing us a different direction than we want to go. Do you understand that God realizes the generation that you're growing up in? God realizes that 64% of TV programs have have sexual acts 4.4 times an hour. And that young people spend seven hours a day watching TV. God realizes that everything in your culture, that the people at your school are pushing against you. But he has not abandoned you to that. God realizes that your past is pushing against you. But he sees you. He's not leaving you. You still have a destiny. You still have a purpose. There's still a plan. He's not leaving you. See, some of us have given up on the promises that God has placed in our lives because it's become so hard and so frustrating and we're growing tired and weary trying to be and trying to do what God has called us to be. And so we get tired and we give up. And I think the greatest fear that I have for young people who go through storms is that they'll jump out of the boat and swim back to where they came from. You're better off in a boat struggling then you are swimming back to where you came from. You're better off in the desert starving than going back to slavery into bondage. Don't give up on God because it got hard. Don't give up on God because it wasn't, it, it wasn't just this simple... I didn't, I didn't just get up happy the day after I got saved. I didn't just get up happy. I don't just wake up happy. And You ever hear those people that are like, man, I just wake up and Jesus is the first thing on my mind. My gosh, I wish I was one of those people. 
I wake up and I'm like, uh, tired. I don't want to go work out. I don't want to read my Bible. I just want to sleep. I just sleep would be really, really nice right now. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that I give up. And I know that God has a plan for my life. I know that God has a purpose. And so I say, you know what? This is hard, but I'm going to keep on rowing. I'm going to keep on trying. It, it, I may be straining. It may be hard. It may be difficult, but I will not give up. I'm not willing to go back where I was. I know that God has called me to someplace greater. Somebody say amen. See, Jesus saw that they were struggling. Jesus saw that they were straining. And it says that he came down from the mountain and began to walk on the water towards the disciples. It would be good for you that when Jesus comes down, he finds you caught red-handed doing his will. The winds against you, culture doesn't want you to serve God. Culture doesn't want you to fulfill your destiny. The, the, the enemy does not want you to get to the other side. But Jesus sees you and he's coming. And I think that this is so similar to me about how God up in heaven was seeing mankind and he had given them the promise of Abraham and he had given them the law. But for thousands of years, God watched as man struggled and ached and tried to do it until he finally sent Jesus to come down from the mountain to help us, to be there for us. And so Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples in the midst of the storm. He didn't create the storm, but he's going to help you get out of the storm. And when you get to the other side, you'll be stronger for it. See, the Bible says this, that our, that our light and momentary troubles are far outweighed by the future glory that God is working in us through them. That when you get to the other side, you'll look back at that storm and think, that was nothing. That was easy. So Jesus walks out on the water and he's going to meet his disciples. And, and, and the disciples, they go, from, they go from frustrated to freaked out. Because, I mean, it's one thing to be rowing. Has anybody ever tried to row a boat? Me and my brother one time had to get this guy to come and pull. Because we're like rowing and we go like up against like this dam or something. And we're like, oh, we're going to die. And this guy in this other boat comes up. And he's like, I got you guys. Don't worry. Hooks this little rope to us and pulls us out. I hate to... Uh, we were not good at it, okay? But it's one thing to be struggling and frustrated, rowing a boat. It's another thing when you're rowing that boat, the wind is pushing against you, you feel like you're never going to make it, like you're never going to get there, and all of a sudden, a ghost comes walking on the water. See, they went from frustrated to free... They went from frustrated to freaked out in two seconds flat. Like, first they thought we're never going to get there. Then they thought we're really never going to get there because we're going to die out here. And Jesus comes walking up to them and they're like, oh, and gosh, it's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> and, and Jesus is walking up to them and he says, it is I. 
And they got to be thinking, look, it's in the middle of a storm. There's rain, there's wind, there's things going on. Here's this guy. They can probably barely hear him. And he's like, it is I. And they're like, what? It is I. Is that, is that ghost talking to us? And they hear him and they, they hear Jesus. And he says, it's me, boys. I'm here. And they hear him and they say, oh my gosh, that's Jesus. We got to get him in the boat right now. He's got to be in the boat right here, right now. We need him with us. If we're ever going to get to the other side, we need Jesus with us. If you're ever going to reach the other side, it will not because you finally figured out how to row right. See, some people think, man, if I, if I, if I read my Bible, like I, I've tried to read my Bible, but I just don't get it. And maybe if I just learn how to study my Bible, right, maybe then I get to the other side. No, the thing that will get you to the other side, the thing that will get you to your destiny, the thing that will help you reach your purpose is Jesus Christ and him alone. And the amazing thing is we're so frustrated in this storm and he shows up. And John says that immediately they reach their destination. Like that is cool. This body of water, most people, most uh, theologians predict that this body of water that they're trying to travel across is about eight miles. And at this point in the story, they had gone about three to three and a half, somewhere in there. And Jesus walks out to them on the boat and steps onto the boat and immediately they reach the place that they were trying to get. Immediately they get there. Immediately they arrive. Jesus is going to come through for you. But not on your time. Like in in, in church, we have this saying that God is never late. But he's rarely early. God is always on time. The reality is this. God's not on time. Ever. God does not exist in a realm of time. He exists in a thing called eternity. And in eternity, there is no time. There's just eternity. There's it just exists that way. It's, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around. It, it, the, the best way that I can explain it is there is no time. There's just moments. And God will arrive at the exact moment when you need him. At the exact moment where you feel like this is stupid, I'm going to jump out of the boat. Jesus is there. When you feel like we can't take it anymore, we're never going to reach, our boat's about to sink. All of a sudden, in that exact moment is when Jesus will arrive. See, I've come to understand and learn that if I'm going to be comfortable and keep myself from being frustrated in my relationship with Jesus, I better be okay with ambiguity. Because Jesus rarely lets me know when he's going to show up. Jesus rarely says, hey, Wednesday, 721, third song in worship, I will let my presence fall and you will be healed of all sicknesses. He doesn't say that. He's like Aaron. When you're doing something with Aaron, just throw the schedule away. Just know that when it happens, it's going to be big. But don't count on a specific time. Just get rid of the schedule and know that when he shows up, it's time to go. It's time to start. And it's going to be good. 
And that's the way that Jesus is. You better get comfortable with the fact that he doesn't work on a schedule or on a timetable. He works in eternity. That's really good. Because we try and put our limits on God and say, this is when I need you. This is when I need this. This, God, I I can make it this far. I can make it this long. But then all of a sudden we get to that point and he gives us a little strength to make it a little further. And in the exact moment when you need him, he shows up. So don't give up. Don't say, God, this is my limit. This is your timetable. If you don't show up before this, I'm out. I quit. Don't give up. Hang on to what God has for you. And then this is pretty exciting. I I wanted to read this. The only reason we read that story in John is because I wanted to bring out this miracle that Jesus does. Hang on to Jesus. Don't give up and be ready for immediately. Do you know what immediately is? Immediately is the miraculous. Do you know that when you get sick, your body, the way that God designed your body was to heal itself. So when you get a cold, your body is literally going to heal itself. But sometimes we can count on God and say, God, I need to be healed right now because i got to preach. And I do not want to cough the whole service like I did like four or five times last year where I'm sitting there having to have cough drops. I need to be healed like now. Hang on to God. Don't give up and be ready for the miraculous. Be ready for immediately. Be ready for God to do something unbelievable. See, a lot of us, We've struggled with maybe a sin or or just a struggle in life for so long. And we feel like, God, I've given it everything I can give it. I've I've, I've tried, I've tried, I keep trying, I keep trying, I keep trying. Don't give up because you're going to wake up one morning and be like, wow, that's not even an issue anymore. Because it immediately happened. Some of you ladies fall in love with this guy and he breaks your heart and Jesus loves you and He'll never break your heart, but you fall in love with this guy and he breaks your heart. And you think, this pain will never go away. I'll I'll never get over it. I'll never stop loving him. I'll never be able to move on. But you tell God, I'll try. And you hang on to God. And you hang on to God. And you hang on to God. And immediately, one day, you wake up and you're like, what a loser. What did I ever see in him? Because immediately happens. Have you ever been on a road trip? Focusing on the storm causes things to take way longer than they should. At least in your mind it does. How many of you guys have ever had that experience where you're waiting for somebody to come pick you up and you're staring down the road that they're going to turn on? And you sit there and watch and they never show up. And then you're like, I'm going to go get a Pop-Tart real quick. And you walk inside. Jeez, what the? It's like the second you turn your back, there they are. If you've ever been on a road trip, me and my parents, when we were growing up, we would go to Disneyland. Woo-woo, love Disneyland. It's awesome. But the worst part about going to Disneyland is like the 16-hour drive to get there. It's awful. It's evil. And you drive down to Disneyland. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy who falls asleep pretty quick. Like within 15 seconds of the car getting on the freeway, I'm out. But we can sleep anywhere. Master student, dude. We learn how to sleep anywhere. 
And uh, you get on the road and it's, it takes so long. And you're, you're so focused on the trip and you're so focused on Disneyland. It's going to be so great when you get to Disneyland. Disneyland's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Where are we at, Mom and Dad? Cottage Grove. Sweet. Disneyland, 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 Disneyland. Where are we at? Second exit of Cottage Grove. Dang it. When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? And I know my dad had to be thinking, my gosh, my kids are idiots. Obviously, we're not there yet. But there's something about us when we're focused on the destination. It just feels like, when is this ever going to end? But a lot of times what I've found is the more time that I can spend asleep, the faster I'll get there. And here's the amazing thing. And here's, I think, the point of the whole story. Is that Jesus is saying, go, do your thing. And as they go and do their thing, which God has called them to, they're rowing and they're straining and there's a storm and it's hard. And then all of a sudden, Jesus hops in the boat and they're there immediately. Because all of a sudden, Jesus took control. Jesus, take the wheel. And Jesus took control. And the disciples could sit back and say, oh, God's here. I love the fact that they put DVD players in in cars now. And I'm usually driving, so I don't get to watch them very often. But just listening to a movie makes the trip go faster. When I let... Not when I'm driving, okay? I let go. And I let God take control. So many of you are so focused on where you want to be that you're never going to get there. You need to step back and say, God, this is your mission. This is your job. This is your assignment. You'll get the glory. You take the wheel. And you can snooze. Just throw your head back. Drop your tongue out. Just go to sleep. Then everybody will throw Skittles in your mouth if you're on a church bus. But you can just go to sleep and relax in God. He's going to get you where you want to be. So the question is, will I ever get there? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus lets the disciples know it's not about their rowing skills. It's not about their talents. It's not about their abilities. It's not about my ability to speak. Apparently, Friday morning, it was about my ability to vacuum the church. But it's not about that. It's about him. It's about whether or not he's in control of my life. And the amazing thing was that I vacuumed. And I didn't realize this at the time as I'm vacuuming and doing my thing. And God says, I see. And I'm like, no one sees me. No one's watching me. And I vacuum. Saturday morning, I find out I'm going to preach on Sunday. And I got to be honest with you. I love it when you guys compliment me. It's not that I, not that I want glory or take praise or anything from, from a good message. But it does help build my confidence and let me know that, hey, I'm not an idiot up here. <laughs> it does help a little bit. And I, gotta be, I, I get to preach Sunday. After this Friday vacuuming, nobody sees, nobody's watching. I get to preach Sunday. And I'm getting texts and Facebook messages, people writing on my wall. Oh my gosh, the message was amazing. God really used you, it was awesome. And I'm just thinking, everybody sees. Because our light and momentary troubles, God is going to replace those 
take those over with a glory that far outweighs them all. Now, is it about being seen? No, it's about Jesus. And whenever anybody says, that was a great message, I say, thank you. Jesus really came through for me. It was really awesome. Jesus took the oars out of my hands and just went like supersonic jet speed and got me to the other side. Got me to where I knew I needed to be. You all know, bow your heads and close your eyes. You know what's amazing? I told you at the start, I was pretty stressed out about this message. Pretty stressed out. What's talking about? Oh, all right, all right. I actually studied for three different messages today until I finally settled on this one. And it's like 420. The chairs aren't set up. and stressing out. My wife's calling me. I'm like, make it quick. I'm all stressed out. I get this message prepared. Get it set in my heart that it's really not about me, about my efforts, about my talent, about my... It's not about me at all. It's about Jesus. And God said, relax. Stop focusing on the problem and focus on me. And you know what I did when I went home? I had to take a real quick shot and get back to the church. I went home and I watched TV with my daughter in a day that I thought, I'm going to have no time to do anything. I had a chance to go home and spend some time with my daughter. And the light and momentary troubles, the storm that I felt like was going to rip me apart, got me so frustrated. God said, be at peace. You'll get there. Stop stressing. Stop worrying. Just give me control and I will get you to where you want to be.